today with Claire Byrne on RTE Radio 1, sponsored by Cash and Carry Kitchens. At the heart of Irish homes for over 40 years. Cashandcarrykitchens.ie Email todaycb at rte.ie James Joyce's Ulysses famously transposed an ancient Greek story onto the streets of Dublin. But a century later, a debut Irish author is attracting rave reviews from Roddy Doyle and Emma Donoghue, among others, for pulling the opposite trick because he's moved the streets of Dublin to ancient Greece in his first novel, Glorious Exploits, which is set in 412 BC but written in contemporary Dublinese. And author Ferdia Lennon joins me now. Good morning, Ferdia. Good morning, Claire. Thanks very much for uh, having me. Not at all. It's really lovely uh, to talk to you about this because, as I said right throughout the programme when I was telling people you were coming on, this has really touched a nerve in the literary world. There's a, a lot of excitement about this book, would you say? Yeah, I mean, it was... It was kind of amazing to see to you know get that reaction from writers who I've admired for years and grown up reading like Roddy Doyle and Madonna who so uh yeah it's it's been really um you know wonderful so far and you I mean I listened to this book rather than read it and I'm glad I did because you've done the narration yourself and it's not just narration you've acted it dare I say how did you make that decision take us through how you got to that point where you said I'm going to do it yeah, it was it was a funny one. I basically started to listen to audiobooks. I was living in Paris, getting the train to uh, work, and it was so busy I could couldn't even read. It was so squashed, so I'd listen to audiobooks, and I really it wasn't something I, I previously had done. And I realised that's actually a great way of experiencing a book. And I think there can be something added when the writer narrates their own audiobook. So I was nervous about it, but you know, you live with these characters for years, so you know very clearly how they sound in your own mind. So it was it was exciting mm-hmm. um, and daunting, but uh, I'm glad I did it. I, I hope I've explained it well uh, in my introduction. It is hard to explain. I mean, you really need to delve into this book to, to get a sense of what it is. But will you tell us why you've rewritten the ancient Greek, ancient world in this really modern, very Irish voice? Yeah, no, thanks. I think, I think you explained it very well. So basically, um, it's set in... It's typically when we think of the classical world, I think you almost imagine like the aristocrats from Downton Abbey. And that's the kind of convention. Whereas actually, like today, there was a real variety of classes, of different cultures. There's immigration. And Sicily, where my book is set, had been colonized a few hundred years before by mainland Greece. So I thought, actually, it would make sense if the Greek that they spoke there would be a little bit different. And the like the biggest island in Ireland, the biggest uh, city was Syracuse. So the Dublin voice felt like a kind of a natural way to explore that and make it quite different. Mm-hmm. And the story takes place, as you say, after the Athenian invasion of Sicily. That's sometimes compared to the American invasion of Vietnam. Was that something that informed how you approached the story? Yeah, I, I believe it did. I, I think there's all that classic situation where an imperialistic power imagines something is going to be very easy, you know, like, like, like the Americans in Vietnam, the Athenians very much were like, we'll be back in a few months. This is going to be, this is going to be a quick job. And then a few years later, thousands of the Athenians, they're completely defeated being held in these open air prison quarries. And actually the, the book is inspired by true events. So not just is it true that these Athenian prisoners were held in these stone quarries that you can now visit in Syracuse, but we actually know from Plutarch 
that some of them survived because their captors were so obsessed with Athenian theatre, and in particular the work of Euripides, that they would actually give them extra food in exchange for recitations from Euripides' plays. Mm -hmm. And this is where we come to Lampo and Gelon, who are are looking at these. I mean, they're almost looking at at the captured Athenians as like, strange, exotic birds. And all they want from them really is their culture, right? Exactly. So during the war, that cultural connection between Athens and Greece and Athens and Sicily has been cut off. And they they go down to get their fix. You know, theatre back then, it, it wasn't a rarefied, like going to the opera. It was almost like the blockbusters. These were popular entertainment. Um, and I wanted to convey that. Um, and also the what becomes uh, what develops is they realize there's been a whole new Euripides play, Trojan Women, that has been performed in Athens just before the invasion, and no one in Sicily has seen it. And this is all true. Um, so they see themselves not just as putting not just putting on this play, but perhaps the savior of uh, this Euripides play. Mm-hmm. And they have Dublin accents. Is that is that to make it all more accessible? It is to make it. Except it's to a few things. One, because it's unexpected, but also, as I was saying, given the actual cultural context of Sicily as an island away from the mainland of Greece, I felt like that made sense. And also what you notice if you read like the only contemporary plays that we have that are set in Athens of the period are by Aristophanes. And if you read those translations, they're slang, they're sweary, they're bawdy. And I think the translators realize if you want to capture the contemporary voice of how people actually spoke to one another, you can't just have this kind of formal RP English. Um, so that's why I had it as contemporary, because they're contemporaries to themselves. And I chose Ireland, because that's where I'm from. But also I thought it made sense, given the you know, as I said, an island that had been colonised, mm-hmm. etc. But Ferdy, the, ir- the irony is there is one Irish character, and that's the only person in the book who doesn't sound Irish. Yeah, I'm really glad that you noticed that. Yeah, absolutely. So there is an Irish mysterious merchant slash patron who, for reasons unto himself, uh, begins to aid their production. And uh, I like the idea of having, as you said, the only Irish character wouldn't sound Irish. Mm -hmm. But also the myth of Turin, which is that the children of Turin is this Irish myth that I was always fascinated by. Like these characters who begin as essentially murderers, but by the end of the story, you're completely compelled and emotionally invested in them. Um, I I would just love to know how you went about selling this idea to publishers. And then (laughs) when you were talking to the audiobook people going, listen, don't worry, I'm going to read it myself. I'm going to do all of the accents and the Irish guy won't be Irish. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, it was very, it was, a, it was an interesting one because the book is very. It's you know, someone described it as like Roddy Doyle meets the Iliad. It's very different. Um, but actually, surprisingly enough, it. I think they thought it was going to be harder, a harder sell, but I, the response was very positive. Mm-hmm. Um, it's you know. And listen, can you tell us where the book might be going next? Uh, will it progress? Do you hope onto the screen? Um, yeah, you, you're probably not allowed crossed. to answer this, are you? Yeah, no, like I hope I hope it will. I mean, I think it's been, uh, yeah, um, not quite yet, but there's that it's definitely kind of been it's talks about talks, right? 
Talks about talks, exactly. Good. Chats about chats. Well, we'll leave that there because we don't want to jeopardise them. But your own backstory, you grew up in Tala, I know, but you have family who wouldn't be a million miles from Sicily where the story is set. Yeah, exactly. So my, my dad, my father's from Libya and my mom's from Roscommon. I grew up in Tala. In many ways, I kind of, you know, my parents split up when I was young. So I, I was raised in Tala, very kind of traditional Irish background. But I... Indirectly, I realized when I was writing this book, the war in Libya was unfolding. I was obviously I had family over there. It, it was something that was, it was very much on my mind. So that situation where you had emerging slave markets in Tripoli, the kind of ancient history that I was reading in some ways felt very present um, during the writing of the book. So mm-hmm. Yeah, it did play into it in an in, in, in indirect way. But you were already, uh, prior to, to having that interest in, in Libyan affairs and seeing what was playing out there, as you said, in Tripoli, you were interested in ancient Greece prior to then, were you? Where did that interest oh. begin? Yeah, I think it began as a kid. I, I like won a competition in school where they, they gave us the Greek gods and, you know, a book of the Greek gods that I would try to get my mom to test me on them. But And then I studied classical studies in university. That was my degree. So I've always been fascinated. I think what's really interesting about ancient Greece is in one way how different it is, but then how relatable. So, you know, you can read an Aristophanes play and it's genuinely laugh out loud funny. There's an odds. It isn't always relatable for everybody. And I think really that is the, the key to this book in that it does make it relatable. Was that one of the key aims where you're saying this stuff is brilliant, but people don't know it's brilliant. So I need to show them how it, it can work in their lives and become relevant. Yeah, completely. I, I think that was it. Um, I wanted to, as I said, see, I'd never really seen the, the we always think of, I think, ancient Greece as very serious, ponderous philosophy, um, the tragedies, but there's this ribald comedic tradition as well. There's a bawdiness there too. And I'd never seen that expressed except in these, you know, Aristophanes plays set in contemporary Athens. So I, I wanted to find a way to, you know, bring that kind of Dublin humour that I grew up with, the humour that's in these old plays and meld it and hopefully do a book of the of ancient Greece and the classics that was different. Are you working on a new project now and are you sticking with the theme? I it's I'm so I'm I'm working on a on a second novel. It's also historical. So I, I love history. I, history and classics were my subject. But it's a, a lot more recent history, so not ancient Greece anymore. And that's as much as you can tell us. Yeah, er, early days, early <laughs> stages into the book. <laughs> Watch yeah. this space. Absolutely. And you know, we will. And I think a lot more people will be as well. It's been a great pleasure to talk to you and we wish you well. Not that you need it. This thing is going down an absolute storm. It's called Glorious Exploits by Ferdia Lennon. And can I recommend to people listening that you listen to the book because it is quite extraordinary. Thank you so much, Ferdia. We wish you well. No. Thank you so much, Claire. Really pleasure chatting to you.